Do you worry? No, I mean really worry. Where worrying kind of consumes you, takes over your every thought. It's as if sometimes anxiety attacks you. And does the fact that you worry bother you? Because you're a Christian and you kind of feel like, well, we're not supposed to worry. After all, Jesus says in Matthew 6, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you more valuable than they? And can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Well, good question, Jesus. Deep inside we know no, but it's easy for you, isn't it? We struggle. We struggle with worrying. Do you need some practical advice? I know I do. Does your worrying worry you? Then stay right here because our guest today is speaking to you. Life-changing sermons. We've all heard them. They empower us, motivate us, breathe life into us. Exceptionally gifted preachers use their unique, deeper insights to uncover and present the scriptures in ways that are life-giving, life-altering. I'm Dr. Bob LaFave, pastor, researcher, and you are about to be inspired by the best preachers in America. Our guest today earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in English Literature from Spelman College and a Master of Divinity degree, that's a seminary degree, from Princeton Theological Seminary with a concentration in preaching and congregational ministry. Previously, she served as the designated pastor of Shaker Heights Community Church, that's in Shaker Heights, Ohio, and is the first woman to be ordained in the historic Mount Zion Congregational Church in Cleveland. Our guest is co-founder of Without Walls Ministry, a retreat designed to glorify God and edify women in ministry. She was the recipient of the 2012 Star Award presented by the Women of Color Foundation to a young professional woman who is making a difference in Northeastern Ohio. Currently, she serves as a senior pastor and teacher of South Euclid United Church of Christ in Ohio and was the first African-American and the youngest pastor ever to be called to that congregation. Today, we'll be talking about her sermon entitled, Take Heart When Anxiety Attacks. Our guest today is one of the best preachers in America, the Reverend Courtney Clayton Jenkins. Welcome, Pastor Jenkins. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I'm super excited. I do not think I'm anywhere near one of the best preachers in America, but I'm I'm going with the podcast title and excited to be here today. (laughs) Wonderful, Pastor Jenkins. I appreciate that. I'm sure your congregation would disagree with that statement (laughs) and say that you are indeed very effective and I've seen you preach and you are. This particular sermon, it's, oh, it's just so timely Uh, this sermon about anxiety, because, I mean, there's anxiety everywhere. And you even make the point in your sermon that, you know, this subject can be kind of taboo in the church. And, And one of the reasons is because, you know, sometimes we feel so much anxiety to the point where I feel like I might need help. And if I talk to my pastor about, you know, getting help for anxiety or maybe taking a medication, 
you know, you make the point that, unfortunately, that's kind of a taboo subject, and, and that hurts us, doesn't it? It does, because we understand our faith is to be folks who walk with joy. We understand as people of faith, we're people of hope. And so if you are those things and you're a follower of Christ, why in the world would you have anxiety? And mm. over the last couple of years, I've really been doing work um, around what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be divinely created by God, but to understand the levels of, of emotion that come with that? And I really try to flesh that out in the sermon, you know, of, of where our humanity uh, really is strong. But these are taboo subjects uh, in the church, and I'm trying to courageously um, bring up the elephant in the room, especially in the midst of this year. Of course. And, and, and this is a perfect year to really discuss what it means to be human and have the feelings that we have and do that in the context of, of uh, a close walk with God. I agree with you completely. I, what I love uh, is where you go next. Then you, you sort of take the listener into this model that you call a situation room, right? As a way to kind of explain how anxiety affects us. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about that? So this sermon was a part of a series um, called Take Heart. I, I typically preach in series. Um, I found it to be very helpful um, as a wife and a mother and a pastor and managing all those things. And so a big part of the situation room, as we looked at worship, this was actually a series about worship. We utilize the situation room as understanding our heart uh, as the situation room, right? And where there are various seats where ideas, thoughts, values, you name it, can uh, contribute. But so often with anxiety, what happens is, is that we let anxiety take the seat of the commander in chief. And so what does it mean for us to understand that the loudest voice at the table, right? So we're just taking this presidential model that people know, you know, all of these decisions are made in the situation room. Advisors come, but the final decision rests with the commander in chief. And so the oh. question was, who is the commander in chief of your heart? And also clear that, that, that who that is, though, that should be God. And that should be our trust in God, that there are competing realities right. to occupy that seat. There are competing realities for anxiety to be the chief decision maker, for fear to be the chief decision maker, for the future or even the past to be the chief decision. And so when we know what's around the table of our heart, right, we know that, that it's God who's, and I want to get this clear, there's no problem with these other elements being at the table, they're what make us human. The problem is when they occupy the decision-making seat of the commander. So really, Pastor Jenkins, what you're saying is whatever's occupying that commander-in-chief seat, that's driving the narrative of your life, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing, that's the context in which you're going to see everything. That's right. And, that's and, right. 
And so can you imagine that today, you know, we have, my goodness, I mean, you, everything from social unrest to COVID to we got this presidential election. I mean, mm-hmm. the economy, yes. uh, it, it, all of these things create opportunities for people to replace God in that commander in chief seat with something else mm-hmm. like my anxiety and, and my worry. So a very timely, timely. It is. And, and and in that piece, I was reading an article um, out of, I believe, The New Yorker the other day that simply just said the anxiety of Americans right now is the highest it has ever been because of all the things you just named. Right. Um, but then there are these other things like cancer. Yeah. Disease. You have people who are caring for I get more more folks who are caretakers. Right. That their anxiety is, how do I care for myself? Uh, you're taking the educational system. Parents are homeschooling. So there are these broad subjects that we all know. But then there's just the little things going on in our own lives, mm. in our own homes. And those are also adding just a stress and a reality sure. uh, to where we are. So they, they, they compound. So normally, you might be okay dealing with some of the small things in your life. But when you're when you're trying to negotiate all these other things that are going on, those things kind of compound that anxiety. And it's got to yeah. get for many to the point of, you know, a breaking point at some point. Right. Uh, it does. It does. It can get there. And so the question is, and it's so funny because, you know, one of my points and it's so funny, I've gotten more feedback on this point than any other sermon. Wiggle your toes. Yeah. You don't know. how. I mean, that's one of the points here. Of what do I do? Wiggle. I get so many people who have said that, that point in that sermon, more than anything else, is what has sustained them in 20. I get in there, I get overwhelmed, and I just wiggle my toes. And it's a reminder, God is in that. It's a grounding, mm-hmm. but it is that compounding um, can send us into a tizzy. And I think that preaching on these subjects and just talking about the elephant in the room uh, is in fact what people really need to hear. Yeah, absolutely. And for those people want to hear and see the whole sermon, I have a link through it on the Best Preachers page on inspirationalsermons.com. Um, but I tell you, I, I've there's a lot about this sermon that I think is fantastic, besides the wiggling your toes. <laughs> so the, the idea of a risk calculation, right? I mean, so Pastor Jenkins, you kind of lay the groundwork and you say, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs that right now people are really struggling with. Am I going to be okay, right? I'm not at self-actualization right now. I don't know that I'm okay, right? With my security and safety and all the needs that I have just to physically be able to live. So with that in mind, you say we normally get into this place of risk calculation. Would you mind just bringing our listeners up to speed on what you mean by that? Yes. So what's happening, and I think, so anxiety, remember, is about the future. It's all about what's going to happen in the future. So because the future has not yet come, whatever that is, Mm. we drive our humanity, our anxiety, by trying to calculate is this safe or not safe? And I believe I walked through an example of like, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden with God. And God looked at all the trees and God calculated the risk. And God said, okay, it's safe to eat from all the trees except this one. 
God says, I've calculated the risk. It's of no good. And so what happens is when their eyes are open now, right? Because now what does the serpent say? You can, you can see like God, you can think like God, you can be like God. Now we're trying in our humanity to calculate the risk of our decisions. We're trying to calculate the risk of the election. We're trying to calculate the risk of the economy. These are all things in the future. And what happens is when we become consumed with the risk calculation, that's when anxiety takes that seat of commander in chief because it's no longer, it's not even that, because anxiety, I want to say, and I kind of fleshed it out, is a good thing. It was designed to protect us and to keep us safe. Oh, I sense danger. I sense harm. The problem is, you know, we're not in the prehistoric times, the early Jesus times of, oh, there's a well I might fall in. We have a level that the media, social media, whatever we're reading, marketing, are all contributing to the calculation and we're overwhelmed by it. Right. And and what I love about this is, is you then begin to go back to scripture and you say, you know, look, Adam and Eve really didn't have any anxiety because before that event, they weren't even able to calculate the risk. That's right. But they lived in concert with God and, and that the, the root of anxiety that we have calculated the pandemic, mm-hmm. the economy, the health, the, the, this becomes the root of my anxiety. That's right. And, and, when, and when, you add, when I sit there and I add up the calculation, how am I going to get out of this thing? How are we going to get out of 2020? What's that going to mean for 2021? The, the final result is that the risk is too mm-hmm. great, right? Um, uh, and anxiety, again, as you say, becomes the, the commander-in-chief. And I'm immobilized by it, Right. Uh, faith without works is dead. We walk by faith and not by sight. So when that risk calculation overwhelms me and anxiety has the last word, I become stuck. But here's the theological thing I've been working through my mind the last couple of weeks, just thinking, but time keeps moving. Mm. You could be mm-hmm. stuck, but mm-hmm. time does not stop. We, we're right. on a continuum, you know, moving with God. And you can say, hey, I don't want to go forward but time is still moving around you. That's right. That's right. And and then, you know, you bring up you bring up Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. You bring up the point that Jesus says that look, um you want you want to reset your perspective, look at nature. Yep. Nature doesn't do a risk calculation, right. right? And and which I love, it's a great point. The grass, the lilies of the field, they don't calculate yeah. risk, right? And, and God does a, a great job of running his organization, right? right? Yeah. I mean, there's- Been a, doing it that, a mighty long time. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and, you know, when you think about it, um, you, you think of the, the loaves and the fishes, right? Five loaves and two fishes. Any right-thinking person is going to look at that and do the calculation and say, come on, there Jesus, go. this ain't there happening. Go. There you go. Right, we're not going to be able to do this. We there ain't feeding go. anybody. Right, we're gonna run out. Come on, man! I've seen this happen a million times. You're gonna run out of food, right? But what you're saying is, with Jesus, you reset your risk calculation. That's right. Because He is the one in the driver's seat. That's right. He's the one that's resetting your framework here. There you go. You know the way you are to look at life, which I think is just a, a really a great point and gets back to scripture. And it is. It, it's it's that perspective that um, that a we can hang our hat on scripture and 
part of scripture may not be Jesus's words, but part of scripture mm. is Jesus's actions. Does that makes it's yeah. still scripture. Yeah. It's still it, scripture. Yeah, yeah. We get caught up in, do you know the scripture? Yeah. Yes, I know what the word says. Here it is. But what did the word do? Sometimes the word is mm. doing. And, you know, I don't know about you, mm. but as a pastor, I've learned more by watching than by talking. And so when I watch Jesus, that's when I begin to see how does Jesus do it? Because Jesus is dealing maybe not with anxiety as we know it, but I deal with that too in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's he's calculating the risk. That's right. That's right. <laughs> God, don't worry. End, and in the end, he puts yes. the father in the driver's seat. There you go. And, yeah. Oh, and ultimately, and, we, we could retranslate that. Jesus ultimately says, not just let this cup pass from me. Yeah. What Jesus is really saying is, when I calculate my cup, the math doesn't add up. Right. Here it is. But when I let you calculate the cup, then I say, not my will, I but be, your will be uh, done. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Fantastic. And and it, I, I love the idea that you, you know, this calculation, because you say, God, thankfully, doesn't rely on my math, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> God oh, doesn't, thank you. Do, doesn't see the calculation like I see the calculation. That's right. So my job is to let him do the calculation. That's right. But to trust that he's leading me and that he knows better than I do what yep. is good for my life. That's right. Right? That's right. And what my future holds. That's right. And and think about it. I mean, I know I'm, I'm jumping here, but I think it applies. That calculation is also found in Psalm 23. Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. God knows yeah, when I, yeah, about. but not yeah. even, I mean, God knows <laughs> when I need green pastures. God uh-huh. knows when I need still waters. Right, God mm-hmm. knows when I need my soul refreshed. God also knows when I need to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's God's calculation: mm-hmm. You're gonna make it, but you're gonna need me, your rod, my rod, mm-hmm. and my staff, and you can make it to the other side. And so the calculations are not always just in the bad. Sometimes in the great seasons, God is still calculating and saying, "This is where you need to be," you know, and this is how you need to get there. Man, that's that's just fantastic. You, and you think about, you know, uh, um, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Yeah. It's it, you get this image of of you know Jesus setting up a banquet table in the middle of a battlefield, yeah. and you got arrows whizzing by your head, yeah. all the things you're worried about. Yeah. And he says, "Come on, let's yeah. eat." You know, don't worry about any of this. I got this yeah, covered. I, I wish you know? we had time because I've preached a sermon on that te- that exact you, line uh, that would just take us in a whole different we'll direction. That. We'll do that another time because that's we'll a fun this, one. We'll do that next time. That's, <laughs> right. that's exactly right. Exactly right. Well, uh, Pastor Jenkins, then you, you kind of, at, with that as a groundwork, you give people something yeah. to do, right? You, you give them a kind of solution and you say, look, your job is to take heart here, and you point to three mm-hmm. things that that they can do to kind of really give them some meat to yeah. to walk home with and to change their 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 week and their life. And there's three specific things, and and uh, um, the first one you say is, look, just be present. Yes. Be present. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, that's so important because we take that part from verse thirty, right? So Jesus says, look around, right, at nature. And as I said in here, and not the news. So because we do flesh out in the beginning, you know, what is anxiety? Anxiety is all about the future. One of the things, one of the things Jesus is saying right here is, 
hey, if you look around, nature is just present in the moment. Nature is just mm. doing what nature does, you know. Yeah, the the squirrels might be gathering for the winter, but they just get up each day and they may not have a concept that that's what they're doing. That's just what they do in the present moment. And so part mm. of it is really a way, if we can go here, to combat the enemy. The enemy wants to be consumed with the mm. future. And Jesus says, hey, mm. you know, I have a dog. <laughs> a dog is not concerned about tomorrow. Yeah. Just living yeah. right yeah. here in the present <laughs> moment today, you know, um, that 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 yeah. that. That one of the ways to still and silence the calculation is to simply be present. And that's why we tell people in that point, wiggle your toes. Because when your mind mm-hmm. begins to get caught up in the future, wiggling your toes not only grounds me in that present moment, right? Like, of here's where I am. Mm-hmm. But for me, it really shows how God is in control. That these little mm-hmm. tiny parts of my body have activity, mm. they have feeling. And how awesome is it that God gives me that capacity? I don't know if there's other animals that can consciously wiggle their toes. I mean, but that's the beauty of God's <laughs> creation and that's the beauty of being present uh, in that moment. <laughs> so it, it grounds you yeah. immediately and it kind of takes your blinders off. Absolutely. Right? There's a lot lot more going on here than what I'm presently worried Absolutely. about. Absolutely. So you, you say then a second thing that you can do is to Harness perspective, mm-hmm. um, and and talk about that a little bit, and uh, because this is really an important point, and we we do this to ourselves, and w- with all the things that we tell ourselves. So right there around verse thirty one, I mean, he says, "So do not worry," or in another translation, it says, "So do not say." Right? What right. will we eat? Or what will we drink? Or what shall we wear? And goes on to say, "For the pagans run after these things." Right? And so Mm. Jesus is saying, you've got to put this stuff in perspective. And that's why we even talk about God running the organization, you know, of the world, right? Um, God's got, literally, God's got the whole world in God's hands. So knowing that and that nature's not not overwhelmed, water's still flowing. You know, this thing I say sometimes in sermons, if we were one inch closer to the sun, we would burn up. One inch further away, we would freeze. The moon is what allows the current to happen so that the water's not stagnant. I mean, so on and so forth. If God can handle that, let you and I be intentional about our speech, intentional about our priorities, intentional about the perspective. And and literally, I say harness. Yeah, You've got to, you have to get your hands yeah. on that perspective and you got to pull right. it in. You can't expect anybody else to do that yeah. for you. Yeah, and, and what I love it is uh, something I think I'm probably going to use is you've got a great tip here. Give yourself a time. You're going to worry for 20 minutes. And at the end of this 20 minutes, I'm putting my worry to bed. I've done my worrying. Nothing else I can do. And again, all that comes from sort of a change of perspective of, you know, who's in control here and who am I really relying on? There you go. To make sure I'm going to be okay. Um, Okay. Number three, and this is a big one, set priorities. (laughs) Okay. So, so I, and and you bring scripture here in too. So Mm -hmm. I'll let you go with that one as well. Tell our listeners about that. 
So again, making kind of that reference to verse 33, where it says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So part of what we bring in here is around priorities. How do you set those for the day? Right. Um, And how do we then, because I think when you allow God to set your priorities, that is when you let God run that commander in chief seat, right? Mm. Because God has calculated all of the things you need to do. God is calculating your present. God is calculating your future. God is even calculating, you know, the past. Mm. And from that, God is saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Mm. All you can do is prioritize today. And I've done this thing long enough that if I'm a good steward of today, then it's then it's what that scripture says. Then tomorrow takes care of itself. Yeah. And, and you say, this is great. You say, you know, Jesus tells you, seek ye first the kingdom. That's it. And how how many of us seek our own comfort first, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, or, or, or our own status first. Or the or, news. Or, or they, exactly. Exactly. Because that ultimately is going to make us feel better, reduce our anxiety. When really, and the point you make is, you know, you, if you seek God first, you know, He pretty much, you know, He'll He'll set your priorities. There you right? go. There you go. There you go. Um, I think this is one of the most important messages for today. Uh, it, it's not just it's because, be yeah, uh, human beings are anxious. We're all anxious, but because of the zeitgeist, the things that are happening today. This is so important for people. I mean, I sense it in my congregation. I sense it in the community. There is an anxiety. And my goodness, you know, um, for folks to really be able to think about who is in their driver's seat, right? Yeah. Who is a commander in chief right there? And, yeah. and use some of these points and some of the practical applications you have in your sermon. You know, Pastor Jenkins, I think would make a huge difference. And I, I really am so appreciative of this sermon and your ministry. So with that in mind, let, let me... Um, let me ask you uh, about Pastor Courtney Clayton Jenkins. Uh, how, how did, since the age of three, you knew you wanted to be a pastor or no? Uh, ha- yeah, since the age of seriously, five. Really? <laughs> I, so no, okay. Seriously, really? No, seriously. No, it's actually a really interesting story. Um, at five, somebody asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, maybe a pastor, but it looks like a boring job. <laughs> this is not a boring job. Well, you only work on Sunday, and, and even then for a couple hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then um, actually in the sixth grade, I took the Myers-Briggs. Oh. And it said that my top two professions would either be a pastor or a truck really? driver. Yeah, I'm serious. A- any- and so the, these crumbs have been there. They've been there wow. all along. Any other pastors in your yeah. life? Um, uh, a, a parent or an aunt, uncle, grandparent? Really? Nope. To my knowledge, no one else in my family, um, to my knowledge. Um, you know, and my parents, we went to church um, mm-hmm. growing up, but we only m- went maybe twice a month is my guess. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. When I turned 16, my parents got me a car, but they wouldn't let me drive it anywhere. So I said, <laughs> you know, they were afraid I was going to crash. So I said, well, where's somewhere I could go? That they they wouldn't tell me no. So I said, could I drive to church on Sundays and then go <laughs> by and visit my grandparents and spend a little time yeah. with them? And, and of course yeah. they they went with that. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, but but it's but my my inquiry of God of spirituality of faith 
has really always been there. I remember in first grade, like I'm going to read the whole Bible. Um, and again, not in a home where, I mean, my parents, I would say my parents were, you know, they went to church. Um, mm-hmm. that was the, and I think back then too, like that was the thing to do. Um, sure. but it, but God has really been walking with me. I took speech mm. and debate, um, as a kid and ironically would share sermons of Martin Luther King Jr. for speech. So wow. they were the same were sermons yeah. and I would have to memorize them and deliver them and not realizing really all along God yeah. was just, just, just working the gift. Sure. Working the craft. So I've been preaching what? since about 13 unofficially, but definitely 20 years officially. Wow. I mean, that is just fantastic. And the fact that not only did you know what you want to be, you could sense something inside you and God sort of yeah. called you to something yeah. that is is very powerful. Um, when I when I hear you preach, you, you do have a power. You do have a connectivity. You do have a, a charisma. I mean, I can't imagine anyone in your congregation dozing off or, you know what I mean, or looking around or looking at their watch because you're you're powerful. I mean, a, a good 45 minutes to an hour of your sermon and I, you, you don't blink because you're on to the next point and there's something that I can that I can use with that. And not only do I see that scripture differently and not only do you open it up and make it interesting to me, but at the same time, you give me something that I can that I can use and change my life with. So, so I encourage everyone to get online and, and listen to your sermons. And I can't thank you enough today for not thank only you. a timely message, but a, a very powerful message and a very helpful message. So, thank you just for the invitation to be here. I really appreciate it. This has been this has been great. This is actually my first time on a podcast. So, oh, so fantastic! You're okay. forever in my We're heart. Good. Yeah, well. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Jenkinson. And uh, on behalf of everyone at Inspirational Sermons, uh, may God continue to bless you. Thank you, you as well. Love this episode of Inspirational Sermons? Join us at inspirationalsermons.com. And we'd really appreciate it if you head over to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe, rate, leave us a review. See you next time as we continue to explore epic life-changing sermons by the best preachers in America.